Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. I call today's message Moments That Matter. We've just heard about um, some many moments in um, people's lives this week even. My dad used to say there's, there's three things you can't recall. The lost opportunity, the spoken word, and the sped arrow. It was one of those old school things. Now these three things you can't take back and, and you can't get again. The lost opportunity, the spoken word, and the sped arrow. In Luke 22 verse 34, Jesus said, I say to you, Peter... The rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Has there ever been a moment in time that you wish you could have done differently? Is there a decision that you could that could have changed your life immeasurably, but instead of embracing it, you missed it completely? I have. Like the stuff of movie scripts, Was there a time when you could have said yes to a rugby training camp that would have set you on a course to becoming an all-black or a black fern, (laughs) but you you went fishing instead? (laughs) Were you once asked out on a date by a a good guy you'd you'd got into the friend zone, um, but you chose to stay home in your onesie, your tiger slippers, your favourite movie, popcorn and your remote? Have you stood motionless at an auction when one more bid might have secured a future business or a bargain opportunity in a rising market? Is there a post on Facebook, a letter that you sent, a text or a phone call that you made that you now regret? You see, these moments, the lost opportunities and the mistakes that cause us to look back with regret, they are valuable life lessons, but they also have the potential to stifle or derail our faith because the enemies of faith are fear and regret. It's the fear that causes us to say no when our heart's saying yes or vice versa. Fear and doubt are twin spirits that hover close by uh, when, when our faith is weak or it's a little bit on the short supply side. And they remind us, they whisper in our ear of our past mistakes. And if we make an agreement alliance with them, we allow them an entry point into our soul. The good news is today we're going to look at God's remedy and antidote to fear, doubt and regret. So let's kick off into this. We're going to look at the God's remedy and antidote for fear, doubt, and regret. And let's not look back, eh? Let's decide not to look back. I want to tell the story of Peter. We're actually in 1 Peter. We're studying 1 Peter. I just want to start with, with where Peter was, uh, you know, maybe some years just before he wrote this. Peter hovered over the charcoal fire to keep warm. 
He was trying to make sense of the crazy scenes he had just witnessed as Roman soldiers arrested Jesus by force. And the fear of man entered into his soul as he tried to get his head around it all and keep warm. And a young slave girl recognized him and grilled him about being a disciple and being in Jesus' inner circle without thinking he denied it. Another guy spots him and again he says, I'm not with him. And as we know, a third time he denies Christ when, you know, when we, he was accused of knowing him. So after the third denial, Luke 22 verse 61 says, The Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Man, what a moment. What a moment. What a powerful uh, look that would have been from Jesus. You know, it was probably a, a mixture of disappointment and love all rolled into one. Have you experienced that corrective word and the grace of Jesus in your life? For those regrets, for those bad choices. Peter chose repentance. And the tears flowed. Many would have just withdrawn. Many would have just got angry or apathetic or self-loathing or depressed. But Peter chose humility. What you choose in all of these noteworthy God moments is really going to determine the outcome of your life. But it's also the culmination of lots of little choices and lots of realignments and adjustments that we make leading up to testing times. It's not just one big thing we have to decide. It's just lots of little things. We have to make adjustments and choices all the way along. If we've spent time with Christ in prayer and praise, we will be amazed at our ability to cope when choices come our way. This is where we landed last week when Jeremy shared that trials and testing are one of the ways God uses to make us reflect Jesus in 1 Peter 1 verse 7. That's where we got to last week. We read that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Being like Jesus, if we can put that slide up, being like Jesus and reflecting him is the end goal, not being successful by worldly standards. He's more interested in our character than our comfort. Let's turn to Peter, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to read this few verses for, for today. Let's start at verse 8. And though you have seen him, or not seen him, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's important, isn't it? The not is very important. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. And full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As 
to this salvation. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. As we uh, said last week, Peter is writing to his many friends, disciples, and co-workers living as aliens. In other words, they didn't fit in where they went. Who had been scattered throughout Asia Minor, mainly due to persecution. Most of these precious disciples, like us, had not seen the Lord physically, but knew him in their heart. So Peter seeks to encourage them. This letter is the letter to encourage these ones that are scattered around in the provinces, up the coastline, and to, hold, to get them to hold fast to their faith and to be sure of their salvation. And we could say to be sure of our salvation, which is imperishable. That means it can't wear out, can't be destroyed. Peter, you see, he's got a pastoral heart for all of these disciples. He knew what it meant to stuff up. He knew what it meant to fall short and to succumb to the fear of man. And he can identify and sympathize with anyone suffering fear of man and persecution. When is moment to shine? Around that little fire finally came after three years of training, he bombed out. He must have just gone through every emotion possible in his head in the days following. But there was another charcoal fire. Praise God. And there's only two charcoal fires mentioned in the whole of the New Testament. As the sun was rising and uh, the day was warming up, the fire, this fire, was a place of new beginnings. It was lit by the risen Jesus, who was busy cooking fish. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't you want to be there? When the disciples finally focused on the beach after fishing all night, they saw the fire. That caught nothing. After the highs and the lows of following Jesus, Peter went back to the familiar. Well, let's just go fishing. It's what I know. I'll stuff it. We'll just go fishing. You know, it's so easy, isn't it, just to revert to the ordinary, to revert to the familiar when we're just not sure what God wants us to do next. But he was not the same. Praise God. For our sake, <laughs> he was not the same. He was ruined for the ordinary by being with Jesus. We had a saying at our Bible college at Lifeway, that we would be ruined for the ordinary. You can't go back the same. There's no going back. So Jesus yelled out, Try again. Put your nets down on the other side of the boat. 
uh, that would be a bit like uh, you would think to these really tough, experienced fishermen. That would be a bit like telling Richie McCaw how to play rugby or how to tell, to tell Peter Jackson how to make a movie. It could have even been an attitude alert on the part of the disciples in that moment. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but you see, these were changed men, so they obeyed. The order, I was just blown away by the order, you see. They, they get told to put the, the, the nets on the other side of the boat. They do it. Then there's a big catch. Then John says, it's the Lord. You see, the order was really important. They obeyed. They just did it straight away. How do you feel when someone says to do something and you just feel, who are you? <laughs> but sometimes we just need to hear that voice and boom, do it. You see, God is interested in our work. He is interested in our success and in our businesses. Uh, when we went to Bible College and lived in town for seven years, God was the best business manager I could have ever had in my life. <laughs> Did way better than I was. But he's looking for your heart's trust and obedience before success comes. He wants to see where your heart's at, what you trust in the most before he'll give you more. And that's what happened. They got big catch of fish. Couldn't hardly pull the net in. And um, here's another little interesting thing. Jesus, uh, Peter, sees Jesus. He just can't get out of that boat quick enough. Puts his coat on. Boom, dives in. Goes and says hi to Jesus. And then, oh, better help with the fish. He goes back and helps with the fish. And then... He has these amazing moments with Jesus. And when Jesus asks him three times, three famous questions, Peter, do you love me? He asks Peter three times to counter the three denials. And each time Peter responds with an emphatic, yes, you know I do. But he gives him a pastoral task each time. And that's what love does. It motivates us for ministry. It motivates us for action. Love has that power to turn around a bad attitude. It has that ability to give us new hope, new direction. When we're loved, we do stuff better. He could have said to Peter, you know, well, uh, once you've uh, proved yourself by uh, handing out hymn books, I'll give you a home group. What Jesus was really saying to Peter in that moment was, Peter, I can cope with you, warts and all, provided I'm sure of one thing, that you love me. Do you love me? This was the antidote for all Peter's doubt and fear and for all his mucking up. Do you love me? Do you love me? What's he saying to us today? Is he asking us that? And would you say yes? Do you love me? Do you love me? This is the most important thing for any believer. Do you love him? If we turn back to our passage for today in 1 Peter 1, 
chapter 1, verse 8, Peter says, And though you do not see him, you love him. Let's read the rest of the verse. And although you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Isn't that exciting? This joy inexpressible comes from the love. Joyful love. Joyful love. We can greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible once we know that we know, that we know in the depth of our soul that he loves us. When we can say that we love him back, we then enter into just some form of extraordinary life, never to be the same again. The first chapter of this letter of 1 Peter lays out three major themes. Three. Yeah, and Jeremy covered two of them last week, so I'd really encourage you to listen to the podcast if you weren't here. He laid out two of the three things of this first chapter. And number one of those things was that we have a living hope. We have a living hope, a salvation that is assured for all eternity. It's a long time. It's a salvation that's now and not yet, because the Bible says full assurance later. Number two, that our faith will be tested. This is the second major theme of this, this, this first chapter. Just like gold, testing by fire brings out the dross. It brings the dross to the surface until the master, he scrapes it off and scrapes it off and scrapes it off with the heat underneath until he can see his face reflected in the gold. Isn't that beautiful? He just gives us these tough times until he sees his face reflected in our life. And number three is today's message, that we can have a joyful love, verse 8. The term love of Christ actually has a double meaning. It's quite cool, really. It means his love for us, and it means our love for him. It can mean either. Love is contagious. Love overcomes all obstacles. Love overlooks offences. Love keeps going and serving when the honeymoon feelings are gone. Love is a verb, and love is actually a decision. It's not a feeling so much as it's a decision to love unconditionally. See, Peter knew firsthand that joyful love trumps failures, it trumps trials, and it even trumps persecution. Love allows us to forgive ourselves and then to move forward. If that's you today, God is saying, joyful love will allow you to forgive yourself and move forward. Don't look back. Love trumps your failures. So how did Peter succumb to fear? How did he blow it? How did he mess up when he was so bold? Before Christ was arrested, Luke 16, in Luke 16, we read in verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, with you I'm ready to go to both prison and to die, or to death. Wow, pretty big statement. And this came just after, though, a big debate about who was the greatest disciple. 
So pride actually was the entry point for Peter's fear. Jesus said in verse 31, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. You see, pride had opened that little door and in popped fear of man, came along for the ride, along with pride. So pride entered by Peter's words, his own mouth. He, he spoke it out. And the fear of man came along for, for that ride. But, but the love of Christ <laughs> overcame in the end. And it always does if we accept it. So when we say we love God, watch out what else you say. We should say with his help we'll do such and such or go here or go there. It's about priorities and it's about how we phrase it, isn't it? If we love him, we'll obey him, the Bible says. Or Jesus actually said that. If you love me, you'll obey me. And so next week we're going to look at ways we can express that love to others corporately in chapter 2. In the meantime, let's love the ones closest to us and the nearest and dearest and those we encounter over this coming week and, uh, and just, yeah, put that love straight into practice. If we don't use it, we'll lose it. Verse 10 to 12, let's just finish there. There's some closing thoughts. Verse 10 to 12 explains that the prophets of old spoke things they didn't even understand. I guess it's the calling of a prophet to do that. But they were predicting our salvation. They were predicting a salvation for those of us living now in a time of grace. See, verse, verse 12 says that even the angels long to look ahead to this time of living hope, of being tested, the testing of our faith and a joyful love. You see, even angels live in the very presence and glory of the Lord, but they long to, to watch us navigate the tension of brokenness and blessing that we live in for the testing of our faith. You see, they, they don't mess up. <laughs> They're in the presence of the Lord. They don't have this opposition, these trials, these things that come against us. But these angels are longing to look. How's he, how's he going to handle that? Oh, how's he going to do this? Mate, legend. <laughs> they long to look at this stuff. Because, see, when the prophets wrote this, they didn't know the time of they weren't in the age of grace. But they prophesied it, spoke it into being. They spoke God's heart. You know, the, one of the major reasons for prophecy is to just have, to hear the heart of Jesus. It's not to know the future, but to hear the heart of Jesus. That's what a lot of prophecy is actually for. Do you know the heart of Jesus, that he loves you today so much that he doesn't want you to stay the same? So the angels have never failed like us, but perhaps they also have never known the joy inexpressible of forgiveness and love here in the midst of all this chaos where we, we're constantly tempted to look back with regret. Closing thought, praise God for such a priceless salvation and for such a pure love found only in Christ. 
Loving him back truly is the antidote to fear and doubt in those moments when it matters most. Amen. Father, help us in the moments, in the moments of decision we have to face, even this week, Lord. We just pray that we would lay it before you at your feet and ask your advice before we do stuff and then ask you to bless it. Lord, we just pray that we'd just come to your throne room and praise and worship first before we mess up. That we would just be better equipped to handle this world with its uh, choices and, and temptations and all its traps and trimmings. Lord, we just pray that we would have those God moments with people this week. God appointments. Lord, we'd share love wherever we go, that we would be love to others in pain, in, in, in hurting situations. God, we just pray your spirit would just fill and guide us and that we'd be um, able to pick our feet up again, like Peter, and go on saying, I'm not looking back. Jesus is my rock. And we ask that in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church.